Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, where every Friday we release an episode, a conversation with interesting people who are making the sport happen. This is a different episode, a different conversation with two people who I will introduce shortly, but the topic is on gender issues. Yep, uh, the Me Too movement is blown up worldwide, as it should, but what does this mean in terms of running, ultra-running, and FKT action? We're going to find out here shortly. Our two guests are Darcy Picou, who we had on a few weeks ago, episode 31, uh, a well-known, very successful ultra-runner. You can look up her bio from episode 31 if you want to hear more. And for the first time, Gina Lucrezzi who three years ago started Trail Sisters. And by the way, that website URL will be on our podcast uh, story on the website, so you can look up Trail Sisters. So welcome, Darcy, and welcome, Gina. So all we're doing here is to hear from you two. Uh, what, what stories do you have? What thoughts do you have? What examples or feelings? And of course, we're not here to make any decisions. That's not our role at all. We're here just to learn and hear some stories. Okay, this is Darcy. So I think we're just, like you said, we're in a really interesting time right now. And I feel like if there's nothing else that I do in this sport and or do for the sport, my hope is that we start to raise awareness. We start the discussion, and maybe this is you know one stepping off point, um, but that we, and, and I would love to be an advocate for other women and women coming into the sport. And so just having the conversation about um, equality for women across the board, I think is really important. And to have Gina here especially is, is, is amazing because she's representing women in our sport in a huge way. This is Gina. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Uh, I have lots of role models to look up to. You're one of them. So, <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, you know, it, it is really interesting where the sport's at and with the tremendous growth we've been seeing, especially on the female side. And in my opinion, with that growth, I mean, we should also see more equality based throughout the sport in all different areas. I mean, that comes to pay, that comes to visibility, um, it comes to, you know, just uh, articles, it comes to products. Um, it should be like that all across the board. So um, those are all areas I think that, you know, have great talking points that we can kind of jump into if anybody wants to. Um, so, yeah, but it's something that we need to tackle, and I don't think it will be held quiet for too much longer as we see more and more people starting to speak up about it. Well, Darcy mentioned, mentioned uh, representing women for equality. What are some examples of inequality? Please just educate me. Well, this is Darcy, and I, you know, I think it's it's hard to necessarily identify accurately exactly what's happening behind the scenes because I don't think we all really know. Um, you know, I, I think it would be helpful to have to involve men in this discussion, men in the sport in this discussion. I think that would be great at some point because I think that's that's really important and and getting all the facts and understanding. For example, you know, pay and, and what athletes are paid. Well, so and do you why. feel that there's and a pay inequity then? I do. I okay. do think that's happening. In ultra running, for example? Yes. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, in, throughout commerce, business, there's the classic uh, equal pay for equal work. And I think the figure in the United States, uh, pardon me if I'm incorrect, is around 27% gap, roughly speaking. Mm -hmm. 
and you think there's a similar pay gap in this sport? Um, you know, a few years ago, I wrote an article for um, I Run Far, and it was I had surveyed um, different athletes, and this was all anonymous, but um, find out where their you know pay level was from their sponsors. And to kind of go along with what you just said percentage-wise, I think it was, I mean, this is a little while ago now, don't remember the exact numbers, but there was about a 15 to 20% difference in what the top men were making and the top women. Um, and so it was quite interesting. You know, like I said, it was anonymous. I didn't know who responded. I know who I sent the surveys to, but I don't know who responded to me. So with the information that I had, and by no means am I a... Um, you know, qualified, whatever, surveyor, whatever you want to call it. Like, I did the best I could gathering as much information as possible. So there, there's definitely, I mean, I think there's definitely proof that there is um, inequality in pay. So I don't think that's a guessing thing. We don't know exactly what things are because of, you know, we don't have transparency because of con confidentiality laws and such in written contracts. So that makes it really, really hard for any athletes to really come forward and say anything because technically they'd be breaking their, their contracts. And then, you know, if the brand wanted to, they could remove them for that reason versus maybe speaking up. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like there's a lot of loopholes that make it really, really hard to talk about that subject, which isn't necessarily right, I think, ethically, but... Well, an interesting example that, not in our sport, of course, is women's soccer in the, in the United States. That's been huge. <laughs> Sorry to chuckle, but the men didn't even qualify to go to the World Cup, didn't even make it there. And the women are the defending champions, and they were getting paid way less. Their coach was getting paid one-third as much as the men's coach, who had been fired more than two years earlier. So he was getting paid over $3 million a year having been fired. And so they said, this is going to stop. And a great article, look it up if you want to, in Time Magazine by on Alex Morgan with the byline, uh, Alex's main goal in the World Cup will not be scored on the field. Hmm. So this, is go this has gone big in other sports, of course. Well, here's an, uh, an interesting example. Uh, the classic no race, no pay clause. And that's made national news recently. Uh, that came up a couple weeks ago with Kara Goucher. And she challenged Nike on the maternity clause, which is if you're not racing, you're not getting paid. And meanwhile, they're world-famous athletes. Their names everywhere. Their names on product advertisements. So that the brand is still getting mileage out of them. And yet they don't get paid unless they race, and they're not going to race while they're pregnant immediately after being pregnant. And, of course, the amazing example is Allison Felix, who just went after Nike this last week. And, like, four hours later, Nike changed their policy publicly. What examples might you have? This is examples of other women who have come out, taken a stand, made the courageous stand, and challenged a policy. And it's worked. You know, I know Gina and I have had lots of conversations about some of these topics, and I think one of the things that keeps coming up is women feeling like they have a voice to um, advocate for themselves, and then also women knowing what they're worth, and then going to a company and asking for what they're worth. Um, and 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 maybe that's a it's, it would be too general much of a generalization for me to say that men. <laughs> are more comfortable going into a company and saying, this is what I'm worth and this is what I want. 
um, than women are. Well, statistically um, speaking, that is correct. Right. I mean, it's, so, it's, it's factual that men right. in general are more comfortable asking. Asking that, yes. right. Sorry. So I think that that is probably one of the main underlying pieces of this as well, is that women maybe don't have the confidence to go into a company and say, this is what I'm worth and this is what I'm asking for. And be really concrete about asking for that and knowing what to ask for. Gina is on that topic via Trail Sisters. Mm -hmm. And Trail Sisters has uh, five recommendations for races to be, there's something called the, a Trail Sister approved race. It's on your website. Mm-hmm. So, Gina, what are those five uh, attributes that each race should have? Yeah, and these these were just so everybody knows. This was uh, this wasn't something I just came up with myself. I uh, spoke with the over ten women uh, trail racers and also different RDs within the space. So this wasn't you know my brainchild alone. Um, so, and the reason for this, just so everybody understands, is to create a more equal and welcoming race day participation or, um, uh, opportunity for both men and women. Um, and so these five standards we're asking for, uh, race directors to commit to are the first thing being equal podium spots, second, um, equal prize and awards, Third is to have uh, menstrual products on uh, available on all aid station tables at a half marathon and above in, in distance. They have to be um, it has to be out there so it's easily accessible so you can grab it and go. Um, uh, the fourth thing is if you are providing uh, race day gear um, in the you know registration bags that people are paying for. Uh, you know, you can't do any of this unisex stuff or just men's shirts. There has to be men's and women's shirts avail- available. Um, and then the last piece is um, uh, starting line opportunities for uh, women. And most people will challenge me on that and say, well, they're able to do that now. And you'd be correct, they are. But it's about educating the race, dire- race director and also the male participants as well as the female participants that they have the opportunity to stand and toe that front line as well. I mean, how many times have you seen, uh, you know, starting line photos and it's just a row of men? which, you know, there's nothing. That's great. They should be there too, but we should have some female uh, competitors up there as well. It's, you know, when we talk about visibility, which is a huge part of probably why we have these equality issues, um, if you don't have any women standing on that starting line, why would you feel as if, oh, maybe this sport's for me or, or it, like, go talk about confidence. Do I belong or don't I belong there, you know? I'm not that fast. I shouldn't be up there with them. Hell yes, you should, you know? Let me tell you how many times I've stood on that front line next to some guys that finished, like, pff, totally dead last, but they weren't scared to be up there. They were up there because they wanted to be, and I want women to have that same thought process. Well, of course, we're talking about Darcy at the starting line of the Hard Rock 100, aren't we? <laughs> because of I'm course, not sure how visible I was. Well, I mean, you're you're a top ten. I don't mean top ten women's field. You're a top ten Overall. runner, and sometimes, as Gina correctly noted, the females, you know, they're they're chilling out. They're back there somewhere, while someone else is kind of crowding to the front. And as Gina noted, if you want sponsorship, the brands want to see the logo up there in the photos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's typically, I mean, a race like Hard Rock, they're really, I think the most women that have ever run Hard Rock was 18 out of 147. So that's a very small number. So that's also visibility. There's just Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. there's not many women in the race. Mm -hmm. So access is another, 
you know, topic, which, you know, you were talking about educating the race directors about, you know, mm-hmm. access for women. Okay, so Trail Sisters, to be a Trail Sisters approved race, it's five things. Mm-hmm. One, equal prize money. Two, equal podium spots. Three, the swag. Make it not just unisex, but so the T-shirt fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, minstrel products readily available at the aid stations if the event is more than a half marathon. Mm-hmm. And five, starting line opportunity. Correct. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And those are all things that are, like, super... Um, uh, easy and attainable for any RD. It shouldn't cost them any. Like the whole idea was to make this as possible to implement, you know, as could be. You know, I have a whole idea for phase two. You know, for the people who want to go above and, you know, above and beyond, such as maybe like, uh, you know, childcare during the race. Yeah, you know? but um, that's to come. But childcare during the race. I think that was that was one of our discussions mm-hmm. about really. That's, you want I think number that, six. I want number <laughs> six as a mom, as you know. A lot of the time, a single mom, that's huge. That's a huge deterrent for me to go to any races is, you know, not having childcare options. Good call. Okay. Well, I liked what you said a minute ago, Jean, if I could come back to you, that you used the word welcoming. That's a little different. So we talk about equality and fairness. Okay. All right. That has a certain objectivity to it. But welcoming is different. I, I sort of like this angle and you've identified that we can talk about the elites. I researched this. I mentioned Kara Goucher and Allison Felix, you know, just stand out amazing people. But the other 99.9999% of the people, what about them? And so how are you feeling about making it a welcoming sport? Well, that's the thing. I, I think, I mean, most things that are published are always revolving around more the elite crowd and that's usually because of brands and you know all whatever be honest that's ad dollars that's you know that's money so that's a lot of why that happens um but you know you rarely see stuff published about mid-pack or back in the pop, back of the pack and that's really important because those are the people that you know they're looking for um uh, stories or things that are relatable you know there's the difference between inspiring and relatable and Relatable is really important because that's where people see themselves and that's where the welcoming comes in, right? So when you have um, different events, you know, thinking about, well, is this welcoming to the whole crowd? Maybe elites will dig the ideas of like, hey, this is super narnar and like epic this, epic that, right? But when you have somebody entering the the sport as a first timer, you know, is interested in racing and it's all just very aggressive language, it's not super welcoming. But sure, for, you know, the top 2%, that might be great. But, you know, if you really want to grow and get more people interested in your event, I mean, thinking about just how you say things and um, how your, well, how your language is, your photos, does it show, is it inclusive or is it just, you know, the fastest guy on the course? Just really taking um, a tooth and comb to kind of like looking at how you're presenting your event um, is really important. I think a lot of people overlook that. And some overlook it because, hey, they sell out. They don't feel the need to do that. Um, but I don't think they're doing their due diligence to the sport as a whole. They're taking care of their own race and themselves. And that's, I get it, that's important. But if they want to continue to make the sport a better and more welcoming place, they have. They should be willing to make changes, even though they're they're you know selling out. And it's even though they're selling out, it's mm-hmm. time to step a little further. Mm-hmm. Okay. In my opinion. Well, yes. I that was that was pretty sharp. I was impressed by that. Mm-hmm. The difference between inspiring and welcoming. 
That's good. Relatable. Yeah. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you a more personal question here. So we're talking conceptually, overall, overarching. Have either of you experienced discriminatory behavior that you would be comfortable sharing? Discrimin- this is Darcy. Discriminatory behavior. For Do you mean on the trails or just in any... I think you can answer this, whatever comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. I, again, we're here just to hear stories. Educate me. I, I mm-hmm. Pardon me. I've been in the sport mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. But you're capable of telling me things I do not know. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear them. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I, I, yes. Yes, I can say yes for sure. I have experienced discrimination in, in the sense of... Um, you, you know, I've been a part of the sport before before sponsorship and all of that came on board. So when that started to shift and happen, um, I think we were all just sort of green to to it, and, and for me for sure. Um, and, you know, I quickly realized, you know, this was a long time ago, but quickly realized that um, that I was, at the time, this was a long time ago again, but at the time I knew that what I was, you know, what I was offered as an athlete was probably a third, maybe even less than what the male, you know, who was sort of, and I was performing at the same levels. One third. For sure. Wow. Um, So that was, and that was, again, that was a long time ago when it sort of all of, you know, sponsors started to come into the sport. Um, So that was, that was a long time ago. But, um, and then in terms of, you know, I think that, there's also the trail etiquette side, and that, that was something that sort of popped into my head when you said discrimination, but I've definitely experienced that, and I don't want to sort of, um, again, generalize against European races, but I've experienced that more so in Europe um, when I'm racing in Europe, and um, definitely felt a little bit like the men were a lot more aggressive on the trails um, than I've experienced in the U.S., and a little more uh, kind of disrespectful in a way, sort of, you know, a little like pushing you kind of off the trail and maybe not letting you go by, things like that. And that could be cultural, I'm not sure. Um, But that was one kind of... Well, it doesn't matter if it's cultural or not. Right, right. It's still rude. Right. I mean, I could say yes and go all the way back to like, uh, you know, high school and college if you want to, you know what I mean? In terms of like... Just this is what, you know, the guys' team gets and this is what the girls' teams get, you know. Think of, like, uh, take a trophy case, right? Like, how many things are represented there of men's sports versus women's sports? But, I mean, this gets into the whole Title IX thing, and I could ramble on for that, you know, forever on that. But, I mean, it's almost impossible to say that. I think, I think most women have probably experienced that somewhere. I mean, I've heard enough stories from, from women, and there's things I can't repeat because of, you know, just I have, you know, that's important to me to keep confidential with the people I've spoken to, but I've spoken to people on the athlete side and also on the industry side, you know, um, as so every, it exists for sure. And you could take it, you know, as you know, for my word or not, but, um, but it happens. And I, obviously that's why we're having this conversation is to kind of, uh, talk more about the fact that it is going on. Maybe some ways we can do to, to help correct it potentially. Indeed. So we, we, we understand conceptually. I was, is there any other specific 
personal examples. I think we're all on the same page conceptually, but uh, anything else? I mean, to, to really get into things and, and call things out, it, that's, that's right. Like that's what we should be doing, right? We should be saying exactly all the, all the things that people want to hear. Essentially, people call that the dirt, I guess. Um, and it would be nice to do that. But the reason why it makes that so hard is because of how things are reliant on relationships, right? So I have a business called Trail Sisters, obviously. And if I were to go in and talk about everything that I know that I've experienced throughout my entire time in this industry and everybody I've met, I have some great stories and I have some not so great stories. But I don't know if it's correct for me to to say everything I know, you know, maybe yes, maybe not. You know, it's great to give the public a very clear picture of what's going on. But then as a business owner, and you could, you know, take this for anything. This doesn't have to be trail running. But, like, you have those reliability or those relationships that you have to be careful on, too. Because, unfortunately, this world isn't based off of trade. You know, we need money to live. So we do have to make business decisions. Okay. So well, we also note, pardon me for going to the Me Too movement. Yeah. Huge. It went worldwide. I mean, it's, it's, they've translated this into Japanese, for example. A, they use a different term. And they're noted for being courageous. They're noted for putting their careers on the line, particularly the Hollywood actresses or you know, millions of dollars. So is that a viable example for us? I'm, I'm not telling you what to do or not to do, of course. Sure. I'm just noting, just seeing if there's anything else. I do think it's, a, like, I think everybody should use their voice, yes, but I do think there is a difference when you have a platform. And, I mean, if you take actresses such, right? I mean, many of them have lots and lots and lots of money. And so whether they get another gig or not, I would like to think that they are smart enough with their investments that they will be okay. But some of these people that may have, have gone through things, if they do say something, it could it could change a lot more for them in more drastic ways. And I think that's what makes it very hard. But, yes, the courageous thing would be to speak up. But it's it's harder said than done. You well, know? speaking as a male, maybe I'm guilty of something. I don't know unless someone tells me. Just saying. You, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I can, again, I, your discretionary... Your calculation of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate is 100% up to you. So I would never touch that one, never step on that one. But I'm just noting, at least on the fastest known podcast, you're free to say whatever you want. (laughs) Part of what would have to happen is that everyone was transparent, right? Hmm. In order to really understand and get to the bottom of, of what's really going on. Because I don't think... Again, I don't think the athletes know everything. I don't think that the companies know everything. You know, I think so. Everyone sort of have to, has to put their cards on the table so that we can we can actually really explore this topic at a deeper level and really understand truthfully what's going on um, and why and understand it. And and at the, I think at the 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 end of the day, right? That's it, it is a there's a it's a money piece and mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's the company's discretion, right? At the end of the day, they can do what they want to do. It's their business. They can, so, but their business is dependent on their market. And if their market is hearing that they're not behaving in an upstanding manner, that affects their business. Mm-hmm. So businesses are usually fairly non-ideological. 
they're going to respond to the market. Mm-hmm. And so we're noting that uh, some of the courageous women have just stepped out. And again, as Gina noted, they could have a couple million dollars in a savings account by now that they can fall back on rather than being a, you know, a young single mother. So Or ultra runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse. Yeah, the real, the real bottom runner, of the yeah. heap. We're at the bottom of the but, but again, someone's got to say something. Well, here's 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 the thought. Um, well, how about this? What if we did? What if we started something that was all about transparency, and it was a list of you know um, asking different brands if they'd be willing to be transparent with making sure their male and female runners were compensated equally based on you know whatever levels of ability you know however you want to you know break it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, put you guys on the spot here. Would you do? be willing to do something like that and have a transparent, you know, uh, contract clause that men and women, you know, for sure, would you be willing to, to start that, be, uh, you know, a role model, a leader in that department to right. do something like that? Right. Well, like you, you said, we would have to be into the in the contract because you can't divulge anyone's contract for their mm-hmm. protection. But uh, if it was in the contract that their contract number could be shared, that that would be the first step. Mm-hmm. Or just committing to, to promising to do that for athletes. You don't oh, have to I share see. what they get oh, paid, but just saying, hey, I'm committing to making sure that I, you know, provide equal pay for my right. athletes in their, you know, A athlete, B athlete, C, you know, whatever levels. But that, you know, if they female falls in A, male falls in A, it's the same across the board. Right. What if we did something like that? In general, asking all the brands to commit to that, kind of like the Trail Sisters approved standard, but also because it's it's essentially you know there's no proof, right? We just hope that if they're going to make, commit to it, they oh, live see. by their word. Right. And if they don't, we find out. Well, that's when we hit the newsstands <laughs> and make a really big deal out of it. But um, but something like that, maybe that's a good way to, to help push people in the right direction. Right. And I know it can't be. You know, this is Darcy again, but I think it. it I'm sure that it's. It's not going to be cut and dry, right? Because there's so many factors that we're talking about. And you and I, Buzz, talked about the, you, you said I was the runner's runner. Like, you know, I'm not, I came in way late to the social media game. So I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a big social media following. I'm not, I'm still just trying to understand it all even now. And I'm not very tech savvy in any way. And um, so, you know, just there, there's so many factors that make an athlete, valuable to a company, right? So it's not necessarily that I could say, here's my resume and these are all the races I've won, but maybe I don't have, I don't have the visibility that somebody else has who's maybe not running any races. Correct. Um, Which I think from my standpoint as an athlete, as a female athlete is really frustrating. (laughs) Right. But I, I get it from a business standpoint because it's all about visibility for the company. So there's there's so many factors that are playing into a contract or yeah right. to what mm-hmm. you know would have to be laid out there. You have a good understanding mm-hmm. and Gina noted that as well yeah. when she said I think pardon me if I'm incorrect right. that one would have to establish the metrics right mm-hmm. to, to evaluate that and answer your question mm-hmm. UD would uh, this is sort of don't want to mention a brand and part of the podcast but yeah, uh, yeah. Taking a little personal tack here, because I asked you to be transparent, so you asking me is fair conversation. Yeah, we would definitely approach that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And then as Darcy noted, it is an interesting metric. So we get 
requests for sponsorship all the time, and they might send, I literally get things saying, well, I'm going to win this race. Can I get sponsored if I win this race? It's like, wow, that isn't really how it works. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, as you said, it's not a cut and dried. It's not an objective metric. Mm-hmm. It's a value, and different brands will value that differently at the ultimate direction brand. We kind of like brand ambassadors, people that we can work together with on product development, things like that, mm-hmm. rather than the person who's winning. But that's an aside. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to answer your respond to you hopefully transparently yes no that was great this is gina like and to to what darcy said it's it is that's the thing it's a, it's a very fluid process right so that's what makes it really tough i think to get to hey having that equal thing we want it to be equal ethically ethically we want it to be equal but it's really tough sometimes depending on well but this person sent this and this one sent this but they're great here but how do we do this and it does make it hard but it'd be nicer to have at least some um, close the gap at, the, at minimally, and so yes, hopefully one day have all that be equal. I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything either, but um, just for just for the sake of like trying to showcase a point of like, hey, maybe there's some ways that we can establish something that helps that area. But um, good. it's a process. It's good. Good. Well, you know, keep keep that. Con- let's keep that conversation going, mm-hmm. and see where that might go. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a. Interesting question. Uh, going back to the Me Too concept, if either of you, again, if you don't want to talk about this, that's your, entirely your call, but there's been some sexual harassment that's literally illegal, not you know going well past inequality or unfairness into violent or illegal behavior. Have you two heard of anything like that in the trail ultra running world? This is Darcy. No, I haven't specifically. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, Gina here. I haven't either. I mean, I've read lots of stories and articles from women, um, and we've actually published quite a few on the Trail Sisters site. But um, it's you know uh, a lot of it's you know they're out running and or assaulted, and but not necessarily not from like obviously like a brand standpoint or something, or from athlete to athlete in a in a team organization or anything like that. I haven't Good. heard of anything. Well, thank you. I'm. Yeah. I'm I, to be honest, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm relieved We're to hear there, that. We're good there, as far as we know. We're good there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed. Because it is getting bigger. Um, there's a big kerfuffle a few years ago in the Grand Canyon with the rim-to-rim run. It went on the bucket list. And so some running stores in the southwest would charter a bus and take people to the north rim of the Grand Canyon, drop them off, and pick them up at the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And they were inexperienced trail runners. And there was reports of them littering on the trail and then kind of pushing the hikers aside. And I was aghast. I was thinking, you know, I, it brought tears to my eyes. I mean, I take pride in our sport. And the, when a Grand Canyon ranger told, personally told me that, I was just... You know, this is just hard to hear. So I'm glad to hear that you have not heard of reports of literal violence or true assault. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. Thank that you. one's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Here's so people are listening to this. People are hopefully of all genders are identifying and appreciating what you're saying with this issue. What would you say? to the person listening. 
And you could go to the men out there, to the women out there, to whomever out there. Any recommendations, any thoughts? Say someone says, yeah, I like this topic. What can I do? How can I be a better person? What might you say? I mean, along the lines of this topic specifically, I would want to tell other women for sure to um, to really just find their voice. Mm-hmm. And, and again, going back to like asking for what they're worth and, and feeling confident in that. And then to all the women maybe who are questioning whether or not they should enter into a sport, um, you know, because it looks like, oh my gosh, I, I don't belong there. Or like, you belong, you belong there. And I can't, I can't hammer that in enough to women and just of all abilities, you know, to the back of the Packers or the front of the, the pack, just all abilities. You have a voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you belong there. You belong. Yeah. Excellent. What I would say, I call it the secret sauce to everything. It's kind of funny, but is self-confidence. And Darcy, you mentioned it earlier, but, um, and this deals with, you know, trail running, ultra running, whatever, and, and, and just life in general. But, um, and this is, could be for guys and women, doesn't matter, but working on your confidence, right? Like that's something that's near and dear and it helps you do everything in life. Um, whether that, you know, that helps you to have that voice, right? Um, so working on your confidence and, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that by yourself. So finding somebody that you can do that with, finding your trail running friends that you can, that are your confidants or that can help you with, you know, or you have camaraderie with, but building your self-confidence will make you stronger in every aspect of life, you know, to find your voice, say what you need to say, um, you know, and it's something that we can constantly be working on, you know. Uh, I think some of us have a really strong confidence, which is great, but there's always more that we can do, and there's some that really um, are lacking it and could use help from others. And so if you know somebody that could use help, you know, do what you can to help them. But um, I think my one message to people would be like, hey, if you can work on that one area of your life, that's probably one of the most important things you can do to, to help everything about yourself confidence yeah and darcy said you belong Mm -hmm. and there's no one who disagree with that is there i mean trail running ultra running running in general is a community it's a big tent Mm -hmm. and we're talking gender a little bit here but we're not going to touch body type but we could easily just put that right race body type yeah Yeah. we're just going to yeah gender race politics Mm -hmm. ethnicity we're going to just it's a big tent, and I don't think anyone would dispute that. Mm-hmm. Who's ever listening and has any doubts, you belong. We can mm-hmm. all say that. Mm-hmm. Now, you two have been around a while. Gina ran in college. Darcy, you alluded to that. Wow, you precede Twitter. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? You're old. <laughs> I didn't it's say that, now, did I? So is there anything that you would have liked to have had available to you when you were starting out that would have helped you come to where you are now a little easier and a little sooner? I don't know, something I, like, oh, yeah. do you care? Okay, sorry. Uh, Gina here. Uh, one thing, I mean, I, I know I'm a little different in age here, not by much with Darcy, but, um, you know, I wish I would have had um, a better understanding, more education about the sport and what was out there and what was possible. Uh, you know, I, um, I mean, I guess I go back to high school, and I was running because I was, to be to be really honest, I was good at it. I didn't necessarily love it, 
but I was fast and I was winning. I was like, hey, this is great. But I wish I would have learned more about the sport and understood my opportunities and what was available that may have changed my perception of some things versus, hey, like maybe this can help me get a scholarship or X, Y, and Z. Um, there was a lot of races I could have done, but I didn't even know about because um, there was no, I mean, maybe it's left to, you know, people that were coaching me or advisors, but um, I wish there would have been more education or more people speaking to to me as a female, you know, to tell me like, hey, this is possible after you do this, or you can go on after college and you can compete for X, Y, and Z. Um, but I didn't really know about that. And maybe that's some of my ignorance, but it wasn't, it wasn't coming at me from any other uh, medium. And so that's something like I would have, I would have appreciated more education. This is Darcy again. And yeah, so just similar along the same lines of what Gina had said about what I wish I would have had resource-wise when I first um, started the sport. And I think it's it's similar in that just um, more, I guess, women advocates and mentors um, to kind of help sort of show you the way, kind of give you a path. Um, yeah, and and also just understanding like in terms of just even the idea of being able to negotiate a contract for example um not really even having any um tools to know how to navigate that world initially um and even now i think that would be really helpful to have more education out there and more advocacy groups that can help um specifically i think women um, coming into the sport. Great. Well, again, we'll have the website for Trail Sisters on our uh, show notes on the website. Here's a question that just came up here. That's it's, it's interesting. It's a little tricky one. So handle it however you see see fit. Uh, social media is blown up, of course, and as we noted a few minutes ago, it's not always how well you did in a race. It's also how many followers you have. I mean, you can track this. Brands can track this. There's metrics for it. And do, as a woman, do you feel you need to, if I can say it, show a little sex appeal? Like the Instagram is really big. So if you're doing a photo, it could be you, you know, at 14,000 feet going over Handy's Peak, Darcy. Or it could be someone else who maybe might not be quite that good who's you know, showing a little more skin and might get a little more likes on Instagram. So how does that look to you two? Yeah, uh, this is Darcy. I think that um, it is tricky and, you know, we can't speak for individuals, um, but I, I do feel like what I see out there is, and it makes me actually kind of sad that I think that there are women out there who feel like the, if they show more skin, you know, bikinis, whatnot, that they will get more followers. And that just, it just bums me out more than anything else um, because I think that we you know, that's sort of a, like a historical long-term thing in our society. Um, you know, magazines have kind of perpetuated this for ages, right? Um, so I think it's, you know, about removing that, the objectivity of women in social media and that you don't need to show skin in order to, um, find your your voice or your you know to to get more followers if you will or to be accepted Mm -hmm. you know that it's (laughs) it's gonna sound cheesy but it's like what are we teaching our 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 children in that sense and 
it's so much more about what's on the inside than it is on the outside, which is something I tell my daughter all the time, right? It's not about what's on the outside. Um, so I think it's important. This is an important topic, and it's important for women to to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, as Darcy said, this one's tricky because, like, um, I know there will be some people out there be like, well, I love my body and I want to show it off, right? And, and like, I understand that, too. Like, I get that. You work hard for something, sure. But I think there is, again, here's, like, I was talking earlier about the gray line, like, when I was talking about relationships between, obviously, your audience and then brand relationships, right? Well, it's the same as, like, well, where do you stand on, you know, well, I want to celebrate you know, what I've worked hard for, but I don't want to be categorized as, hey, I'm just selling this, you know, to get extra clicks. So it's like, where is that? What's okay? What's not okay? And, and I think sometimes it really comes down to that person and what they value the most. Um, But, you know, I, I think personally, it's, you want people to love you for you and not kind of what you look like, you know, it should be, it shouldn't matter what you look like. If it's a, it's, if it's, it's somebody that really appreciates you, what you're doing, it doesn't matter what the outside is. It should be what you're, therefore um and what you have to say and what you think and how you feel um but you know when you have more and more people doing that uh, essentially selling the sex appeal sex appeal to to get somewhere it it really does kind of i think you know put women in a weird spot in advancement in general in society so we continue to put ourselves in more in a like an objective uh, situation i guess or being uh, known as more of an um an object versus you know a person um, but you know, you can also look at, see who's following all these people, you know, if, if, if they're, if these people are just selling sex and it's pretty obvious and they are brand ambassadors for a brand, it doesn't say much about well, why is that brand, you know, chasing after somebody that's obviously is just scantily clad all the time. And so I tell those, those people, you know, well, maybe do a little research. What does that organization pride themselves on? You know, is that the type of person they want representing their company? Well, you know who are who are they who are they um, taking uh, um, relationships with? What, what do they find important in a person who's speaking out for them? Um, so that's kind of like the flip side of it. This- yeah, and and I think it's important to say this is Darcy again, but just that it's not we're not just singling out women. That it's also we're seeing this with men as well, and and there's probably that same. <laughs> feeling maybe going on with men as well. So it's not just singling women out for that. That's, that's indeed correct. And in, this, of course, is societal-wide. Right. And so thank you for these really thoughtful, very thoughtful responses, very candid. It's possible we might do this again, isn't it? I'm game. I'm game. <laughs> maybe we can get some more people involved. Yeah. We'll get some more people involved. Maybe this fall we'll come back to this topic. And great. we'll you'll all we'll hear from other people. We'll hear from other people, and we'll we'll have another go around this fall. Nice. It's here to stay. Thanks for yeah. starting the conversation. Yeah. Well, you're very, much, very much welcome. Thanks for taking your time and coming here. And I believe you, uh, Darcy, your, your daughter Sophie. You need to get back, mm-hmm. and that's that's the way it rolls. This <laughs> the is the way the world is. Yeah. Yep. This is this is the topic in action right, right. now. Thank you both very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, Buzz. You.